A quick note for the listener. This episode examines the still-unsolved murder of Sherry Jo Bates and the possible connection to the Zodiac. At least one handwriting expert concluded that the Zodiac was responsible for writings linked to the Riverside case. Therefore, for the sake of simplicity, John Knight, the actor who reads the voice of the Zodiac for this podcast, will also read the Riverside messages in this episode. On the morning of October 31, 1966, a groundskeeper working on the campus of Riverside City College discovered the body of 18-year-old Sherry Jo Bates. She was stabbed several times and her throat had been slashed. Six months later, someone sent three handwritten letters to the police department, the local newspaper, and Sherry Jo's father. At the bottom of the letter, the writer had drawn a small symbol resembling the letter Z. Above the symbol was a chilling message. She had to die. There will be more. Sherry Jo Bates went to the library, and from there she was lured or taken where she was murdered. I said it was about time. She asked me about time for what? I said it was about time for her to die. It's meant to scare. It's meant to really shock Final line, just wait until next time. This letter is in reference to a similar MO of your Zodiac suspect. Beware, I am stalking your girls now. This is Zodiac A to Z. While the residents of Riverside prepared to celebrate Halloween, police searched the crime scene for any evidence which could help identify the person who killed Sherry Jo Bates. Investigators found a man's Timex watch lying on the ground near the body. The size of its torn wristband indicated that the killer had a wrist measuring approximately 7 inches. A heel print at the scene was identified as a B.F. Goodrich waffle-designed boot in a size range between 8 and 10. An autopsy determined that the victim had scratched her killer. An analysis of traces of skin under her fingernails determined that the killer was a Caucasian male. The unknown subject had stabbed the victim several times in her chest and at least once in her back and he also slashed her throat using a knife that measured approximately one-half inch wide and three and a half inches long. Investigation revealed that Sherry Jo had traveled to the library, where she checked out a collection of books and then returned to the parking lot and her Volkswagen Bug. The car was still parked in the lot the following day, and when they opened the hood to examine the engine, Police discovered that someone had disconnected a distributor wire, thereby disabling the vehicle. Speculation suggested that the killer sabotaged the car in order to create a ruse in which he pretended to assist Bates and then offered her a ride. For reasons unknown, Sherry Jo walked away from the library and into the night with the man who planned to take her life. One month after the murder, the Riverside Police Department and the local newspaper received a typed letter from someone who claimed to be the killer. The suspect used a black felt-tip pen to address the envelopes in uppercase print, which read, Attention, Crime. 
The Confession by blank. She was young and beautiful, but now she is battered and dead. She is not the first, and she will not be the last. Miss Bates was stupid. She went to the slaughter like a lamb. She did not put up a struggle, but I did. It was a ball. I first pulled the middle wire from the distributor. Then I waited for her in the library and followed her out after about two minutes. The battery must have been about dead by then. I then offered to help. She was then very willing to talk to me. I told her that my car was down the street and that I would give her a lift home. When we were away from the library walking, I said it was about time. She asked me about time for what? I said it was about time for her to die. I grabbed her around the neck with my hand over her mouth and my other hand with a small knife at her throat. She went very willingly. Her breast felt very warm and firm under my hands. But only one thing was on my mind, making her pay for the brush-offs that she had given me during the years prior. She died hard. She squirmed and shook as I choked her and her lips twitched. She let out a scream once and I kicked her head to shut her up. I plunged the knife into her and it broke. I then finished the job by cutting her throat. Yes, I did make that call to you also. It was just a warning. Beware. I am stalking your girls now. No one could confirm a phone call to the police department or the local newspaper, the Press Enterprise. Riverside Police stated, The person who wrote the confession letter is aware of facts about the homicide that only the killer would know. There is no doubt that the person who wrote the confession letter is our homicide suspect. Six months after the confession, three handwritten letters arrived at the Riverside Police Department, the local newspaper, and the home of Sherry Joe's father, Joseph Bates. The message read, Bates had to die, there will be more. But the letter sent to Joseph Bates read, she had to die. The writer added a symbol resembling the letter Z at the bottom of the page. Several years after the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, a handwriting expert concluded that the Zodiac was responsible for the Riverside writings. Other experts would later contradict that conclusion. In November 1970, the possible connection between the two cases was reported in newspapers. In March 1971, The Zodiac sent a letter to the Los Angeles Times in which the killer appeared to take credit for the murder of Sherry Jo Bates. I do have to give them credit for stumbling across my Riverside activity, but they're only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more down there. In 1969, Riverside Police considered the possibility that the Zodiac was responsible for the Bates murder. However, in later years, the department reversed that position and focused its attention on a suspect who had allegedly dated the victim. Further investigation failed to produce sufficient evidence to charge this suspect, and the crime remained unsolved. Over the years, The Bates case remained a controversial chapter in the Zodiac story, and the debate continues regarding the so-called Riverside Connection. Mike Morford of ZodiacKillerSite.com joins the podcast to talk about the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, the writings linked to the case, and the Zodiac. My name is Mike Morford. I am a true crime podcast host and consultant. I've done some different work for television behind the scenes. 
I run a Zodiac message board, which is ZodiacKillerSite.com. I've been researching the Zodiac case for several years now. I think it's over 15 at this point. And the site, ZodiacKillerSite.com, has been around, geez, I guess it's been coming up on seven, eight years, maybe longer. Lose track of time, but... Um, and I've done a lot of work with Freedom of Information Act requests, getting materials released that previously weren't released in the case in an effort to enlighten everybody that's looking into the case to help them have more information to go forward. I have uh, Criminology, which is a more uh, intense, more investigative podcast, uh, which covers different cases. In, in season one of uh, Criminology, we did cover the Zodiac case in depth. Uh, but I move case by case, week by week in, in the current format. And then I also host uh, The Murder of My Family, which is a more victim, uh, survivor, family-oriented show that looks at crimes from the inside of how it affects people. And then I also host co-host uh, Three Men in a Mystery, which is another season, one case per season format uh, for some bigger cases that we go more in-depth with. You know, it went back for me all the way back to when I was a, a teenager. I remember having to do a book report and we got to pick out what we wanted to do. And I had seen a book um, with the Zodiac in it and it was his like, yes, a costume. And, you know, it's just the name and the image just sort of popped out to me and being a teenage kid like I was, you know, I was fascinated by, uh, you know, people like Jason Voorhees and horror movies and stuff. So it, it had that kind of, you know, ring to it for me. So I, you know, caught my attention and actually read, read the book and, and did the uh, report. And from there, I just sort of, you know, it was always there as one of the cases that I had interest in. But once the internet came on, you know, came on, that's when I really started being able to leave my house without leaving my house, so to speak, uh, because I'm on I'm in New Jersey, the opposite side of the country. So the internet really opened up a lot of avenues for research. On the 53rd anniversary of the murder of Sherry Jo Bates in Riverside, which many people believe was the first Zodiac murder, or at least one of the early Zodiac murders. And obviously, there have been a lot of theories over the years. A lot of different suspects have been brought up. There's the idea that the Zodiac was responsible for the murder and was responsible for some writings which have been linked to the case. There's the theory that the Zodiac was not involved in the murder and just took credit for the crime. There's a lot of confusion surrounding this. And I know that there's not going to be any definitive answers right now. But maybe you could tell us a little bit about Sherry Jo Bates and her movements on the day she was killed. Sherry had come from, I think she was originally from Nebraska, and she had moved with, with her family. Now, her mother uh, was in a mental institution, if I remember correctly. She was ill. Um, so it was basically Sherry and her father and her brother, and her brother had gone off into the Navy. It really, at the time of her murder, it was just her and her dad living together in Riverside. And, you know, she was a good student. She was a cheerleader. She had a lot of friends. She was pretty popular. She was in her first year at, at Riverside College. So she had a, a bright future. She wanted to be a stewardess. And then this happened to her. And so Sherry Jo Bates went to the library. She spent most of the evening alone and went to the library. She asked a friend to, if she wanted to go and, and the friend declined. So she went to the Riverside uh, City Library, the college uh, library. And from what the records say, she checked out some books that she needed to do her work. Um, there's been a little bit of hem-hong between witnesses and recollections as to whether they actually saw her in the library. But according to the books being checked out, she was in the library and, and took the books out. She went back to her car, which was a Volkswagen, and when she went back to the car, evidently it wouldn't start. Um, and from there, she was lured or taken one way or another um, away from the entrance to the library uh, where she was uh, eventually murdered. And she was stabbed and uh, slashed pretty severely, and it was a very brutal attack. Uh, and she wasn't; her body wasn't actually found. Um, until the next day when, when a street sweeper was cleaning the area. 
from there, the, the police really had to backtrack her movements. And they, again, they ran into these different uh, roadblocks of people not necessarily knowing what time she was there and if they remembered seeing her. And that was sort of a, uh, I think, a stumbling block early on is having to recreate this this timeline of events and then retrace what had happened to her. Um, but from there, things eventually really took a strange turn when the letters came. Now, the first letter that was associated with this case arrived approximately one month after the murder in November of 1966, and it was the typed message that had a title called The Confession. Yeah, so it was a, a you know, just reading the contents uh, of that letter, you know, it's it's sort of theatrical, I think. It's meant to scare. It's meant to be dramatic and really shock somebody. And in that writing... You know, not to get too far ahead of it, but there's some things in that writing which are easily identifiable as as things that Zodiac would later do. Um, word choices, phrasings, misspellings, the same uh, type of stuff that Zodiac would later do. But it, it basically recounts how this person, the writer who sent it, um, lured Sherry by telling her, you know, I'll help you with your car. It won't start. No problem. Come with me. And he walked with her to this alley where he subsequently attacked her. And he goes into great detail about how he enjoyed it and how she suffered and really taunts the police, taunts the town and is a challenge to, to investigators to, Hey, see if you can figure out who I am. And it was something that I think is just not very common in, in crime circles. Most criminals, don't reach out to um, the police and say, hey, I'm going to give you a hint as to who I am. Most of them want to steer clear of the police at all costs, mm -hmm. whereas this was a little bit different. According to the confession, the writer says that he disabled Sherry Jo Bates's car so that it wouldn't start, and then he offered her a ride, and they were walking away towards some houses that are near the library parking lot. And he claimed that he said that it was about time. And she said, about time for what? And he said, it's about time for you to die. And then said that he killed her. He offered some details about what he did to her. And then he went on to make some threats about how he was going to be stalking your girls now. And there's been a lot of confusion about whether or not the details in the confession match the actual events and the crime itself. For instance, he says that he disabled the victim's car. And he said he removed the middle wire of the distributor. Is that correct? Yes. And then there was speculation that he must have seen this in the newspaper and it was just him regurgitating facts he had read in the media. But is it possible that the confession is accurate or do you think that it's just something that he created using details in the newspapers? Well, you know, even even before that, there's an issue because police initially said, hey, this guy knows things that only the killer could know. So they went down an avenue right away as this might be legit. Mm -hmm. But just a day after the murder, newspaper articles were already recounting how her car was disabled. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading from one that right now that says her small foreign car was about 100 yards from the scene with her books, uh, blah, blah, blah. Officers said there were indications the wire from the coil to the distributor had been pulled to keep the car from starting. Well, anyway, that's mechanically inclined would know that the coil wires, the middle wire in a, in a distributor cap. Mm -hmm. So uh, for the police to come back and say that the details of how the car was disabled weren't available in any newspapers is just completely false. Um, so uh, I guess to answer your question, the person that sent the confession letter may have actually done what he said or simply read it in a paper. I don't think there's any way to really know conclusively what the truth is. And there's no specific details about the actual crime. It doesn't say I stabbed her this many times or I stabbed her with this kind of a knife or anything like that. So it is possible that it's something it's just fiction that he created using details found in the newspapers. But at the same time, we don't know for sure that that isn't what happened. What do you think indicates that it could have been the killer? And what do you think indicates that it wasn't? For me personally, I, I, I've always had a problem. 
accepting that that was from the killer. Um, just because there's just nothing there. It's so generic that somebody could have read the news articles and pieced together this elaborate confession letter. So for me to say what's in there, I mean, obviously some of the details, if you know, are accurate. Um, but I just don't know that there's anything there that's a smoking gun that says, hey, this has to be the guy. So for me, I, I can't, I just can't say that I think that the, the confession letter writer was the killer. Now, there were other writings linked to this case. Later on in April of the following year, there were three handwritten messages that were sent to the victim's father, the local newspaper, and the police. And these messages all read in variants of one another. They all read, Bates had to die, there will be more. Do you think those messages were written by someone who was responsible for the murder, or do you think that was written by the same person that wrote the confession, or do you think it's something altogether different? Well, and and again, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but eventually all of those writings, all of those Riverside letters would be linked uh, by a handwriting expert. But um, in, in those letters are so vague, there's not really, to me, anything there to say it could have been as simple as a prank. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, with, with the writing that would be linked later on, I think that's something that's hard to overcome. So it, it makes me think that it is from the same person that sent the confession letter, because if not, we've got two, you know, if neither of them is, is from the murderer, then we've got two disturbed people that like uh, writing letters. So I, I, I think, I think it's more likely that it's one person that mailed both, the uh, confession letter, and then the following letters. Now, let's talk a little bit about the actual murder itself. And I don't want to go into too much gory detail, but years ago, I spoke to Riverside Police Detective Steve Shumway, and he told me that the Bates murder was a rage killing similar to the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson, the ex-wife of the legendary football star O.J. Simpson. Nicole Brown was almost decapitated. And most people believe that O.J. Simpson killed her, despite the fact that he was acquitted in a court of law. There were stories that Sherry Jo Bates had been stabbed dozens of times. And this story was circulating around as proof that it was some sort of personal rage killing committed by someone who knew the victim. And then later on, when we got a copy of the autopsy report, we found out that wasn't true, that the actual number of stab wounds was much lower and did not really support the rage killing theory. What do you think about the murder, and do you think there's any evidence that Sherry Jo Bates knew the killer? Uh, as, as far as the murder itself, it's it's obviously it was very brutal. Looking at those autopsy reports and and some of the details, it was a very savage attack. And again, I'm thinking of it as if I'm a you know 17, 18 year old girl. Am I going to go down a dark alley with somebody that I don't know? I tend to mm-hmm. think not. When when I could go to the library, that's that's closer, and there's a lot more people there. Um, so I, I tend to think that she knew the person at least casually or in some way enough to to walk down to that dark alley with them, assuming mm-hmm. she did go willingly. Um, I, I just have a have a problem believing that she would go down there with a total stranger. Um, when she had the safety of the library right there to go back to. Yeah. Well, and then there's also the possibility that it could have been someone who was so charming and good looking that he didn't come across as a threat. You know, the Ted Bundy factor, Ted Bundy had his own ruses that he used to lure victims. You know, he would uh, wear a cast on his arm and try to look helpless and pathetic and ask a woman to help him take his books to his car and things like that. So it's possible that the person who killed Bates didn't know her and was someone who didn't appear threatening. But then there's also the possibility that she didn't go willingly, that as soon as she discovered her car wouldn't work and this person came up, he may have simply pulled a gun on her or a knife and forced her to go there. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, it's it's certainly a possibility. And, you know, we'll probably never know those answers unless somehow the case is solved and they mm-hmm. get some definitive definitive evidence or proof one way or the other. But at this point, you know, I think in some aspects how it happened isn't as important as who did it. Yes. Um, because 
and, and you know as well as I know that the Riverside Police Department from almost the beginning has made some terrible mistakes in, in the case and have had blinders on for the last 50 plus years. And I think that's cost them Zodiac related or not. I think it's cost them a chance to really approach Sherry's case, having an open mind. And that brings up an interesting point. The Riverside police department for a long time was focused on a man. They claimed knew the victim and the confession letter suggests that the writer knew the victim, referring to years of rejection as a possible motive for the murder. And I've always thought that Bates was killed by a stranger. That's my opinion. And if the confession was written by the killer, he may have been trying to mislead police into focusing the investigation on people who knew the victim instead of searching for a stranger as a suspect. What do you think about the claims in the confession? Because it is possible that he did know her and then he also lied about his motives or things. Do you think that he actually knew her for years, as is suggested by the letter, and that he was rejected by her? Or do you think that's some sort of diversion? See, I'm almost of the opposite uh, spectrum of what you're mentioning. So for me, I've always felt if a stranger sent the confession letter to cast suspicion on someone she knew, a stranger wouldn't have to do that, in in my mind. They, mm. there's nothing linking them so they could just keep their mouth shut and and not leave any clues not give anything that might uh, catch them so whereas somebody that knew sherry in some capacity you know they might have more to benefit from sending a letter you know maybe they knew them casually but they wanted to mm. push them far enough out of the the spotlight by police to make it look like it was somebody that had uh you know years of of torment at her hands or something um so it's, to me I, I look at it as a stranger killing her could have just walked away never sent anything never made mention of it and probably uh stayed off the radar so i i come back to thinking that that somehow some way the uh the the person if if they killed her and also sent that letter uh they're they're trying to to put attention on somebody else with mm -hmm. maybe closer in her circle than they are. But I think in some capacity, I, I would think they're in her circle. It's my opinion. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I should say, you know, I'm perfectly willing to accept either answer. <laughs> I don't care whether or not, you know, it was someone that knew her or not, as long as we find out who did it. But I also think, I think one of the stumbling blocks for me has been sort of the exact opposite of what you were just saying, which is that, you know, if, if I knew the victim, and I knew that the police were going to investigate the victim's background and stuff. I've often wondered why someone who knew her would try to direct the investigation towards people who knew her. But at the same time, like you're saying, it's possible that it could have been someone who knew her really well and was trying to cast suspicion on someone who didn't know her as well or just trying to, you know, divert police attention and sort of confuse the issue altogether. And it, that's what's so frustrating about this case is because we just we've got this letter. And, and the, another option is that some some warped individual that had nothing to do with the murder itself sent this and it's got nothing to do with the actual uh, murder. Um, and, and I think that's what's what's frustrating is you just don't know which which way is the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, you mentioned briefly that Riverside had a suspect that they were locked on and. They, I, as far as I know, they're still locked on the, on that on him. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you have tunnel vision for 50 years and you DNA doesn't match and other things don't match and you can't make a case against somebody, it's time to reevaluate your your investigation. I, I think they've been, uh, you know, guilty of of not doing that. Well, and I think that, you know, they've gotten a lot of criticism over the years for that as well. I, I remember, I think it was in 1999 when I first contacted Detective Steve Shumway at the Riverside Police Department. And as soon as I said my name, he said, is this the same Michael Butterfield that wrote this article that's in front of me? And I said, well, I assume so. There's no other Michael Butterfield that writes about the case. And he's like, well, you're taking some pretty tough shots at us here. And it wasn't really that I was, you know, saying that they were doing a horrible job or anything. It was more that I felt that because they were so because they were so wrapped up in this theory about this suspect that they weren't willing to consider other possibilities. 
And of course, one of those other possibilities is that the Zodiac was responsible for the crime. And we don't know for sure. Obviously, there's a lot of confusion about that. The confession letter suggests that the writer knew the victim, and it refers to years of rejection. And we don't know whether or not that person was actually involved in the crime, but there's some indication that this person may have been familiar with the Riverside City College Library, may have been on the campus, may have been a student. In the uh, TV miniseries, The Hunt for the Zodiac, they interviewed a woman who worked at the Riverside City College Library at the time of the murder. And the victim was found near some vacant houses, which were used by the library to store books. And this appeared to be a connection between the murder and the library, because otherwise you'd have to think that a person who just randomly selected this location took the victim in between these two houses, not knowing whether or not they were occupied and whether there were people inside who would turn on a light, open a window and call police and all that. So what do you think about the connection to the library? And does the connection to the library indicate that there are any potential suspects? Everything centers in, in Sherry's case to me centers around the library. She was there the night she was killed outside the library. Uh, writing that was turned into police in her case that was found on the underneath of a desk in that library in the storage room. Um, that was found there, and it was, of course, later identified by Sherwood Morrill as, as being written by Zodiac. Um, so as far as I see it, there, there is, there's a connection to that, that library and that property there. And I would think that the person that, that is involved in, in the murder or involved in the writing, uh, at least on the desk and, and if they're responsible for the desk writing, but they're also responsible for the other writings as well, according to Sherwood Morrill. So we have a boot print at Lake Berryessa, and then there's a military boot print in the Bates case that was found at the crime scene. There was a watch that had a torn wristband that was found at the crime scene. There were some hairs and some blood found on the victim's hand. What can you tell us about that evidence and what efforts have been made to use that evidence to clear suspects, including the prime suspect of the Riverside Police Department? Well, I, I guess, you know, the, when I looked at some of those uh, FOIA requests that they sent and I looked through and saw the lack of a match to their suspect, I, I, I said to myself at the time, how many more ways do they need? to hear that this guy is not the guy because they had an answer for that too. Well, he had a partner, he had, a, he had mm -hmm. someone helping him and that's, that's why the DNA doesn't match. So um, I, I don't think there's anything in their minds that will ever clear him out of their, out of Riverside's mind. So, um, but short of that, um, we, we do know that the DNA recovered from, uh, and again, it's been so long since I looked at these reports. I think it was a, um, a, a clot of hair found in hair in uh, mm -hmm. uh, Sherry's hand, if I remember correctly. Yes. There's also cigarette butts from uh, a witness had seen somebody in the shadows smoking a cigarette, and they evidently re uh, did retrieve those cigarette butts and and tested those for DNA, and they also did not match the suspect that Riverside's had all this time. So I, I think at the very least, you know, I don't know how well that stuff was preserved or collected or how it stood the test of times but it seemed at the very least that it was good enough to rule people out even if it mm -hmm. couldn't rule them in mm -hmm. so that's promising um but i don't know beyond that if there's anything else that they haven't released that they haven't made public that may uh, rule someone in and i still don't know to this day if if zodiacs whatever possible dna they have in that case has been checked against what they have in Sherry's case. Um, because if you ask the Riverside police, there's no point in doing that because Zodiac, quote unquote, didn't kill Sherry Joe Bates, mm -hmm. um, which is something I've been told multiple times by Riverside police. Yeah. Um, so they were completely closed off to that. So I, I don't know if there's ever been an attempt to do DNA testing between well, the two. Yeah, and hasn't one of the issues been that the DNA in the Riverside case comes from a hair, which is mitochondrial DNA, which cannot be used to compare against DNA taken from blood or semen or you know, saliva? 
that's where we get into the, the 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 nuances of the science of it, and I am admittedly not that versed in that. <laughs> um, I, I do know that there there's different kinds of DNA. I do know that depending on the amount of DNA, that things can sometimes exclude people, but there's not enough there to include them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if if a suspect was tested as as this guy Bob Barnett, the alias that he was giving. Uh, he was tested against that DNA and it didn't match. So we know there's enough there to rule people out. It would be great if somehow it could be just tested against everybody that's ever been a suspect in the case. Obviously, that's not likely to happen. Um, but it would be interesting nonetheless just to see if it could exclude or include anybody. But yeah, I really think the DNA, it, it's possible that um, maybe not now, but maybe even in the future, that science may evolve to where the DNA that they do have may be enough at some point to, to uh, identify uh, a suspect through genetic genealogy. We should mention the Riverside Police Department did cooperate to a degree with the History Channel miniseries in offering them some access to information and some of the evidence. And there's been some confusion about that because they reported that they had found some DNA in some blood stains on the victim's pants. But then there were later reports which indicated otherwise. What do you know about that? Um, I, it's been a while since I talked to somebody about that, somebody that would be uh, on the know on that. I, I don't want to say their name because I don't know if they want me saying it, but hmm. um, they, they felt that what they found was worth looking into further. Um, and, and, and you may know this uh, better than me or maybe you've, uh, read these notes recently. I thought I recall them saying that it was a mix of male and female uh, DNA that was that wasn't Sherry's. I, I seem to recall that it was a mix. I can't remember the specifics about that right now. Okay, and I I, I do remember it was a, a mix of male and female, and I just can't remember if the female DNA was was Sherry's or not. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of talk that this male DNA could lead to something, and then apparently it hasn't, or at least we haven't heard about it. Everything went silent with Riverside at that point, which, again, doesn't surprise me, because if it if it somehow doesn't match their their prime suspect, you know, I, I'm afraid for Sherry's sake and for Sherry's family that they may not <laughs> track that lead to the best of their abilities. They may not follow up and say, well, what if we can do genetic genealogy? Let's try it, even though it doesn't point to our suspect. Let's see where it goes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm concerned that that's going to happen and, and the case is never going to be investigated to its uh, the best of their abilities. And I think you and I would both agree. I really don't have any vested interest in whether or not it was the Zodiac or whether it was the suspect Riverside police favors. I just want the case solved. So... If they found out that it wasn't Zodiac and it was the person that knew her, I'd be happy with that because then we'd have some answers. But it seems like there's a lot of resistance to the theory that it could have been someone other than this person who had known Sherry Jo Bates or allegedly had known her. Maybe, who knows, maybe it will take new blood coming into that <laughs> into that agency to shake it up and say, listen, we've got this case here that's been sitting on the books for five decades Let's see if we can solve this thing. Let's start from scratch and and use the, the most uh, modern techniques we have to try and solve it and, and approach it from a new perspective with somebody that wants to make a name for themselves. That might not be a bad thing. One of the reasons that people think that the Zodiac may have been responsible for the Bates murder is because of the confession and some of the language. There are some misspellings of certain words that appear both in the confession letter and in the Zodiac writings, such as twitch and squirm, have been misspelled the same way in both. Some of the language seems similar. Some of the threats seem reminiscent of Zodiac, the taunting and things like that. And then there's also a mention of a telephone call in the confession. I I believe it says something like, yes, I also made that call to you. Is there any evidence that there was an actual phone call in this case? And what do you think about the connection to the confession and the Zodiac letters? You know, that that call, I've, I've tried over the years to reconcile that. And I don't know that I've ever been able to do that. I don't know if Riverside has ever firmly uh, admitted that a call came in. Um, so I don't know what to say about that call. If there really was a call, then to me, that just 
makes the case even stronger that it was Zodiac. But um, you mentioned those words, twitch and squirm. You know, who uses that phrase in a letter? You know, mm-hmm. two people that I know, the, the, the confession letter writer and Zodiac, you know, the word shalls in her, I shall do this, I shall do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses that in the confession letter, something Zodiac was fond of. That's not a word that most Americans use. So both the confession letter writer and Zodiac were fond of that word. And and then when you go beyond that, you can go into the uh, the letter itself, the envelope that it came in, because um, Sherwood Morrill established that the writings on some of the envelopes, uh, the writing on the envelope from the confession letter, the uh, desktop poem that was found, he put these all together as being from the same author, which is huge. Um, because that means that there's one person in Riverside responsible for all of these letters, if you believe him. He was the most respected documents examiner in California. Um, so for him to put these all together and then also match them up to Zodiac is pretty powerful. But, uh, you know, even before getting that definitive um, word from him, I can see with my own eyes just the words, the phrases, all that stuff. To me, it's just easy to see that this is the same person as the Zodiac. And that is a separate issue about whether or not Zodiac killed Sherry Joe Bates and whether or not he was the person who wrote those letters, because it is possible that the Zodiac tried to take credit for a crime he didn't commit. We do know that in March of 1971, the Zodiac wrote a letter to the Los Angeles Times in which he appeared to take credit for the Riverside murder by saying, I do have to give them credit for stumbling across my Riverside activity, but they're only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more of them down there. So we don't know for sure whether or not the Zodiac was just taking credit for something he didn't do and whether or not he was just responding to the claim that he was involved, because a lot of people seem to believe that Paul Avery, the reporter from the San Francisco Chronicle, was the first person to notice this possible connection between the Bates case and the Zodiac case, when in fact, almost immediately at the beginning of the Zodiac investigation, the Riverside Police Department actually contacted some of the Zodiac investigators and brought up the possibility that these cases were connected because of the similarities regarding the letters and things. So it's ironic that all these years later, the Riverside Police Department is most resistant to the idea that it was Zodiac, but they were actually the ones who started this all. So in 1969, the Department of Justice, the Vallejo Police Department, the Napa County Sheriff's Office, the Solano County Sheriff's Office, the San Francisco Police Department, they were all investigating the possibility that Zodiac was responsible for the Bates case long before Paul Avery published that story in the Chronicle, which I believe was, what, in November of 1970? So... The Zodiac may have simply been responding to news reports, but it's also possible, as we've discussed before, that there may have been something about the Bates murder, which may have left him vulnerable to capture or identification. And he may have not wanted to take credit for it that way as Zodiac because he was worried it might somehow lead to his capture. So we don't know for sure whether or not the confession was written by the killer or whether it was written by the Zodiac. We don't know whether all these messages were written by one person, but as you've brought up, Sherwood Morrill, who was a handwriting expert assigned to the case by the Department of Justice, concluded that all these writings were the work of one individual. And there are some people who have agreed with that conclusion, but there are other experts who did not agree with that. As we've mentioned, these misspellings, you know, it's it's one thing to use a, a, an uncommon word like shall. And most people don't use words like twitch and squirm in their daily vocabulary. But it's also very interesting that, again, the Zodiac and the person who wrote the Riverside writings appeared to have misspelled those words the same way. So to me, it's always seemed like it's the most logical conclusion that the Zodiac was responsible for these writings, whether or not he was responsible for the murder or not. So do you think that there's some good reason to believe that these writings are not connected at all, that they're not the Zodiac? Or do you think that it's pretty much a solid link between these two cases? I've been, for a long time now, I've been of the firm opinion that Zodiac wrote the Bates case letters and desktop. Um, because again, the language, the wording, the um, everything we just talked about, for somebody to 
coincidentally have writing that's so much like Zodiac that it fools Sherwood Morrill. Mm-hmm. It's it's just not logical. It's to me, I'm looking at the Occam's razor approach. What's the most likely scenario? Is yeah. that it's him? Yeah. Um, so that's that's where I stand. I I, I firmly believe it's him. Um, you know, you go back to mentioning uh, he reluctantly mailed that letter to the L.A. Times. Um, but what's odd is when when the news broke that Zodiac was connected to Riverside, you'd think he would have came out and said, hey, uh, yeah, I'm getting some really good publicity. Let me send a letter. Let me get in front and center here and get some attention. He didn't do mm-hmm. that. He waited several months before finally sending that letter to the L.A. Times. That's right. Why? He, my opinion is because he realized, oh, crap, they've, they're on to me. They know I'm from Riverside. Whether yeah. they know I killed Cherry Joe Bates or not, they know I'm from Riverside. So maybe he wanted to lay low for a while and make sure that nobody's going to be knocking on his door um, once they realized there was a Riverside connection. Well, and then there's also the fact that the Zodiac, at one point, I believe he wrote a letter where he tried to say, hey, I wasn't involved in this crime that's being linked to me in the media. It was the bombing of a police station, I believe. So he did come right out and say, I didn't do that. So it's possible that if he wasn't involved in the Bates case, that he would have done the same thing. But it's also possible that he was worried that it could lead to his identification. One of the things that I've always thought was really interesting about all this is that, like you said, a lot of these things don't matter because what you really need to know is who did it. And we don't really have anything that's going to lead us to any definitive answers in that regard. So for me, it all comes down to who are the most logical suspects and how can we clear them? Because an investigator will tell you, your job isn't to go out and just prove that someone committed a crime because it's easy to find a lot of things that make it look like someone's guilty and build up a circumstantial case. What most investigators try to do is rule out a suspect. So my main criticism of this entire affair over the years has been that, sure, if you don't think the Zodiac was responsible, that's fine. But we should do everything we can to rule him out as a suspect so that we can move on with more clarity. Yeah, I I think they've categorically said, you know, made the decision, hey, Zodiac's not involved in our case. Well, even if he wrote the letters in the case and didn't kill Sherry, he's still involved in their case. Um, that the letters in her case are part of her case. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody wrote those letters, just like today, if if somebody uh, mailed a letter to jo- the John Bonet Ramsey police and said, hey, I, I did this, even if they didn't, they're now part of that case. Um, so the police are obligated to look at that avenue and just make sure that person isn't involved. So for, for police to have been that dismissive, um, you know, it's, it's, I think they missed an opportunity. And if it was determined that the Zodiac mailed letters in the case, even if they weren't able to confirm that he murdered Sherry, that, that would make an interesting suspect pool. Cause now you can really narrow down from Sherry's case. Do we know anybody that went North that we can track because we know they went on to become Zodiac. And if you're Zodiac and your investigators up North, you can say, do we have any Riverside suspects that came up this way? You know, you'd think that they could they could piece together and, and follow a trail of suspects and persons of interest um, much easier if they could establish that connection. And at the same time, if they could rule out once and for all that the two are connected, then they could really uh, focus on their own investigations uh, individually. Yeah, that would help both cases. It would mm-hmm. bring a lot of clarity to things because, like I said, I— I don't have any vested interest in whether or not the Zodiac was responsible for the Bates case. I just want to know what the hell happened. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, you know, and I I feel Sherry's case has always haunted me, whether it's Zodiac or not. She was a young girl with a, you know, by all accounts, she was a great person with a strong future ahead of her. She, you know, had some things to overcome in her family. Um, So for this young girl to just be brutally slaughtered the way she was, you know, I'd, I'd love to see her case be solved, whether it was Zodiac or not. Yeah. You know, her poor father was left by himself having to deal with this. And then to add insult to injury, you know, six months later, he gets a letter in the mail from some some disturbed individual trying to rub his nose and what happened. And, you know, I've, I've always had some kind of, as a father myself, I've always had some kind of... Uh, uh, empathy for him for what he's gone through having to, to deal with that. 
it's either the killer bragging about it or it's some warped individual and either way it's 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 for her for her dad to get that i just you know i I can't even imagine what went through his mind yeah and there are disturbed individuals who write bizarre letters when they're not involved in the cases it does happen but then there's also the horrifying possibility that it actually was the killer and that makes it even worse what kind of a person commits a crime like this and then feels it's necessary to taunt the family of the victims. That sounds a lot like Zodiac in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. So I think in both the Zodiac case and Sherry Joe Bates' case, you know, 50 years has gone by, 50 plus years, and both cases remain unsolved. And, and I think it's it's past the time to to look at new avenues, to look at things with fresh eyes, to draw on science and experts to um, step in and give you advice. Um, and, and I don't want to paint police in either case as, as being inefficient or, or you know, I, I think cops in general work hard. They want to help people. They want to see cases solved. They're not in business to have open murders. Yeah. Um, but 50 years later, here we are. We've, we've got this big unsolved case in Northern California. We've got Sherry's case in Southern California, and they may or may not be related. Um, and I, I just think it's past time to approach both cases with new eyes and do things a little bit differently and see if we can get different results. Well, I hope we live long enough to see this case solved. Thanks for coming on the show, Mike. I really appreciate it. We'll have you back soon. Thanks, man. Zodiac A to Z. Written and produced by Michael Butterfield. Featuring Mike Morford of ZodiacKillerSite.com. Zodiac Voice by John Knight. Zodiac A to Z. Produced for ZodiacKillerFacts.com. Zodiac